how could I start designing my future aging experience so that I'm not falling into these gaps that I was seeing and trying to help my grandmother bridge. I think and I hope I can make it to 100, but 100 can look like a lot of different things for people. And so what would it really take to make my 100-year-old life look really similar to the life that I love and that I have today? And at the core of that, I think, is prevention. And I think at the core of prevention, our belief is movement. You're listening to A Healthier Future, where we explore big ideas for transforming and improving the future of health, showcasing the most innovative solutions and best practices today. On this episode, I'm speaking with Amanda Reese, co-founder and CEO of Bold. While caring for her elderly grandmother, Amanda saw firsthand the strength and balance challenges of older adults. That led her to start Bold, which now aims to improve the overall health of adults as they age, helping them maintain their dignity and independence. In today's episode, Amanda and I talk about her journey to start Bold, what motivations and beliefs drive her success in business, and the role that fitness can play in improving quality of life as we age. I'm Mark Harrison, and together we're building a healthier future. It's a pleasure to meet you, Amanda. And I will confess that I really enjoyed reading about you. And I love the name of your company. How great to be called Bold. I wonder if you could talk just a little bit about how you came to be in the seat you're in right now. I'm always interested in how people were raised and maybe what some of their early influences were. And why don't you take it from here and let's see where we go, Amanda, okay? It's always easier to connect the dots looking backwards, but starting with, I think, the biggest trigger for founding Bold and founding Bold with my partner, Hari, was actually being a caregiver. And I know at Intermountain, you use the term caregiver for a lot of your team members, but we were family caregivers for my grandmother and we were living with her in a house she had lived in for 60 years. But as she stopped driving, she was a widow. She started to lose her sight and her hearing, and then eventually was diagnosed with stage four cancer. It was an eye-opening experience around what aging looks like. And I was struck by the fact that we were in Silicon Valley. And I was thinking about myself as a caregiver, the tools, the resources, And then also, I think more forecasting, I tend to be slightly optimistic and tech forward. So how could I start designing my future aging experience so that I'm not falling into these gaps that I was seeing and trying to help my grandmother bridge? So I think that was the biggest trigger. And we can talk more about the platform itself. But I think when I started understanding, for me, aging is more around our health span and less around our lifespan. I think we know that lifespans are increasing. And it's really a privilege to be able to say, I I think, and I hope I can make it to 100. But 100 can look like a lot of different things for people. And so what would it really take to make my 100-year-old life look really similar to the life that I love and that I have today? And at the core of that, I think, is prevention. And I think at the core of prevention, our belief is movement is a huge driver. And I that's more than, I guess, a belief. It's pretty bad. You touched on some really important things. Let me go back to the beginning. So you're a California girl, right? You were born in LA. Is that true? Born and ra- Yep. Born and raised in Los Angeles. And your yep. Nana, who inspired this company, inspired Bold, She's a, she was a Japanese American who was interned. Is that right? That's also correct. Yep. She was born in Los Angeles as well, was spent a few years at Heart Mountain, one of the internment camps, was a fiercely independent, and I would say did age very boldly herself. Good for um, her. Yes. 
Uh, and have you I, read the book Facing the Mountain, Amanda? I haven't. I so haven't. it's a spectacular book about Japanese internment uh, during World War II. As you know, what a shameful episode in our country's history. Yet at the same time, it really unmasked the strength of a lot of people. And can you talk a little bit about your grandma and did she teach you about resilience? You said you're a really optimistic person. Did she teach you about optimism? I am. She was not somebody who taught a lot by lecturing or verbalizing, but I think her whole being, her whole way of operating was incredibly centered on an identity of independence and resilience. The family story of being entrepreneurs after her parents had been immigrants, having a business, having that business completely be taken away as they were all interned, and then having to start over is a story of it's not how many times you get knocked down. It's how you can respond in the face of some of this adversity, whether it's just or not. But my grandfather actually passed before I was even born. And so I never had a chance to meet him. And I always knew my grandmother as her own everything. And so it was also wonderful on a personal level to be able to have that relationship with her over the eight years that I lived with her. Wow. That's really incredibly beautiful. You're, I think you're both really fortunate. So Absolutely. here you are, a female founder. There are far too few female founders. Do you think your grandma played a role in your ability to believe that you could start your own company, change the world? I would say both my grandmother and my mother, and I went to an all-girls school that really hit home. There's really no difference between being a founder is driven by a lot of things and being a female founder is just part of who you are. But I think that idea of anything is possible and being surrounded and raised in an environment that really nurtured that and supported. There's nothing you should be doing other than really following your passion was probably the biggest sort of foundational support you could ask for when you're taking a big leap like starting a company. My mom, my grandmother, and my sister all went to the same all-girls school in Pittsburgh. And my nieces Amazing. and nephews go there now or have graduated from there. And they've loved it. But I think my mom still misses the single sex mission of it a little bit. Because I think there's something really special about getting a group of girls, soon to be young women together and making sure that they have an opportunity to speak up, that they don't get spoken over, that they understand how strong they can be and how successful they can be. Was that your experience, Amanda? Yes, I think that echoes a lot of it. A couple things in particular. For me, finding my passion in science, engineering, and candidly doing research was absolutely nurtured and supported by a women in science program that my school had offered. My mother also is a PhD in molecular biology. And so I would say, again, I had a, a very a good strong role model. Female, <laughs> yeah. uh, role model and constant experiments happening in our house growing up. One of the things I think around women and leadership that always struck me about the school is when you're in a co-ed environment and there is biases that are at play, you look at leadership compositions or you look at advanced calculus classes and you would say, what's the percentage of women showing up in these kinds of spaces? How can we work to write it or find better balance? What was nice about early education, all girls environment is every single person in that calculus class was a woman. Every single person in the leadership position within the school was a woman. And so to me, it was seemed normal and obvious and didn't feel like it would be exceptional to be a woman and in a leadership position, which I think rocks. 
I think that's terrific. It's interesting. When I took over here at Intermountain and our leadership team evolved, we're now sitting at about 50% of our executive leaders are women. And that's different than what it was. I will tell you, I had a really embarrassing experience at our first all trustees meeting from across the system. So about 400 trustees from across Intermountain came together and we did a Q&A and my heart sank when I realized that all the people who are sitting on the stage to answer questions were men and they were all white men. I just said, wow. I knew it intellectually, but I didn't know it in my heart until I saw it. And we've changed. It's been really intentional. Uh, we hear a lot more voices, but you only get a very narrow perspective on the world when you only have a very narrow group of people who are making the decisions. So I'm really glad you had that experience. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm curious, since you've stepped into your leadership role, how you see that sort of shifting and evolving um, over time. So like many organizations, we didn't really talk about this and we do talk about it now. When I took over and we looked at our top 50 in the organization it was 98% white. It was 20% women, and the average age was uh, 49. So now we're 46 years old on average at the top 50 level. We are 50-50 men and women, and we're north of 20% diverse. In an environment, it's about 17% diverse in the communities that are around us. So we are representing more and more where we need to be. I would say that some of the most valuable voices on our team have been young women, particularly people who still have young families and school-age kids, because it really makes you think about different generations as you're making decisions. And it also makes you think about what kind of environment do you want to create for people to work within? And they're, they are all encouraged to speak up and do whatever they need to do for their family. We always say family first and we mean it. Challenges associated with it for sure, but mostly benefits associated with it. But enough about me. I'm not that interesting, not like you are. So talk to me for a second. Explain to our listeners, what does Bold try and do? What's the problem you're trying to solve? And what's the business model? And then I want to dive back in and talk a little bit about your background and how it maybe helped you create this company. Bold is a digital health platform that at its core is around improving aging, even more so around improving health span and doing that in a science-based and clinically rigorous way. And so we produce, we create science-based programs, largely focused on exercise programs. And so we are trying to unlock the real power of movement and science-based movement to really focus on ways you can improve health span. To make that a little bit more concrete, we have a balance and strength exercise program to help people prevent falls and not end up having hip fractures and in the hospital. We have a mobility and strength program for older adults living with arthritis. Doesn't even have to be older adults, but arthritis and the pain and the mobility challenges associated. Arthritis is actually responsible for the largest driver of disability amongst older adults, and almost 40% of older adults are affected by it. And so thinking about how do we ease and alleviate pain through movement is another core program area. And then we have general functional fitness programs, which address COPD, heart health, mindfulness, and stress management. And so really thinking about all the ways exercise and movement can meet someone at a point where they're facing a challenge around healthy aging and trying to alleviate and support them before they end up in a hospital or even an ED. This is just great. Intermountain, our mission is to actually help people live the healthiest lives possible. And we've really moved towards a risk-based model. You may know that, you may not. 
And I love hearing what I'm hearing. And we definitely need to talk after this podcast because I'm listening to you and you're speaking my language. It's great to take care of people if they fracture their hip, but wouldn't it be better if we could help them avoid fracturing their hip? And we both know that can be a swirl that can end up in mortality for people, particularly folks in their 80s and 90s. So I, I love that. Now, you yourself are an artist and an athlete. So you're a classically trained dancer. Did your dance background have anything to do with your thoughts around wellness and mobility, et cetera? Absolutely. I think from a very young age, when I started studying ballet, dance was always my passion. I really enjoyed movement. I think there's few things that feel better than really feeling comfortable and good in your own body. Doesn't mean you have to do dance, but for me, that's when I felt that most. I did summer programs with the Boston Ballet. I danced when I went to Princeton. I did a certificate in dance and had incredible education there with the proximity to New York. But I think beyond that, when I was no longer dancing as rigorously as I had been, I found other ways that movement could fit in. And I was really curious around the science. And there's a lot of links between the benefits of dance and sort of spatial awareness and development in brains. But then with yoga and Tai Chi, there are sort of these evidence-based programs around pain management, balance and Tai Chi. And so I was on a a bit of a personal journey of just learning and being eager to understand how do these uh, different movement disciplines come together? How do they work? What is the more clinical validation of these interventions? And there was an epiphany with my grandmother, particularly when she started to lose her balance because I was working full time. I was at a foundation in Palo Alto and I would go to work and my grandmother had a life alert and A couple times she fell, and one time she was outside in the garden, she bumped her head, she pressed the button, the sheriff got there a couple minutes before I did, and my grandmother just felt horrible. You could just feel the shame. She's like, such a big fuss. It was scary, absolutely. We talked afterwards, and she was like, well, you know, I'm just not going to press the button again. It's like, well, that's not a great solution because I want to know if you've fallen, but we could think about how to make you feel more steady on your feet. Because that's really what it came down to is she started to feel unsteady and less confident when she was walking in the garden. And so being slightly research inclined, I started looking at how do you improve balance? And Candle was surprised by how much research there is around exercise and balance training. There's JAMA meta-analyses out there. It's the U.S. Preventive Task Force Services has a super strong recommendation for balance training to prevent falls. And there was nothing digital to make this possible. So the options were find the nearest community center, try and get her there. And there were just too many barriers to make that happen. Working full-time, my grandmother not driving. It became a frustration that she wouldn't be able to have access to something. And I said, I can read these guidelines and teach you one-on-one. And so we would do after-dinner exercises, but I could see her feeling like she had more agency in her balance. I think this idea of you will lose your balance, you can never regain it is completely false. You can absolutely restore balance. You can absolutely recondition. Bodies are so resilient and strong, but she didn't have the tools. She didn't know that was possible. Annually, that's not something that she was being served up. And so that's how things came together. That's a great story, Amanda. One of the things that I like your use of language a lot, and I like that you use the words learning and curious really frequently. People who are great leaders tend to be really curious people. 
they tend to want to understand the world from different angles and they see connections where other people don't. And they connect those dots and not only do they see them, but they do something about it. I just want to compliment you. I really like that. And I suspect it has a lot to do with how successful you've been and you're going to be. Can you talk a little bit about some of the work you did before Bold and how it prepared you? So you were a Dalai Lama fellow in Tanzania, is that right? That sounds very spiritual and it sounds really profound and really exciting. Talk a little bit about what you learned as a fellow and how it prepared you to be a founder. I actually think it was a much more entrepreneurial and we could have a separate conversation around how much is the entrepreneurial journey like a spiritual journey. But purpose of the Dalai Lama Fellowship is really around this model of aligning your head, your heart and your hands, which I think of as like your head, your intention, your heart, your passion and your hands, your actions. And so it was a pretty incredible opportunity. And I did it with a co-fellow who is a very dear friend. And we had done all of our research. We care deeply about climate change. We see the opportunity around renewable energy in emerging contexts. And how could we start maybe a social enterprise for solar in Tanzania? And it was my first attempt at a unsuccessful business venture. Um, in, in Welcome to the club, as, Amanda. <laughs> there were so, so many unanticipated plot twists and barriers. And I just think feeling unprepared other than the fellowship had incredible services and support and was built around helping someone navigate through that. But I think the framework and that model of aligning your intention, your action, and your passion is something that I carry with me constantly because I feel people do their best work when those three things are in alignment. And so much of starting Bold was finding the right idea at the right moment that sort of checked all three of those for us. So when I read about you and I read about this fellowship, it struck me that the balance that is intrinsic to what you did in Tanzania that alignment and balance are very similar. Balance became a core tenet of your business, right? So not only is your life in balance, your business is in balance and your business is balance. Have have you thought about that? (laughs) You know, I haven't made as clear of a, a link between the balance and that work. I think what I've found being now an entrepreneur in healthcare is that I really appreciate the connecting with leaders such as yourself, Mark, who also seek that and find that alignment in working in healthcare. It's not about the speed of action. It's not about the rapid growth of the business. It's around feeling like there's connection and purpose in in the work that you're doing and finding that balance. And I think bold is a great way to do that. And one of the things that we talk a lot about with our work is today it might feel like we're designing it for somebody who is older or more acutely feeling that they're aging today, but we are all aging and we are all going to benefit from a world that is better suited to support aging. And so that's the full link that we... I I suspect you're going to be very successful. You've got a great idea. You're doing it for all the right reasons. And I am all about responsible capitalism. No problems with that at all. I've talked to lots of entrepreneurs. What's your goal? I want to exit at this multiple. (laughs) I'm not hearing that from you. I think that uh, we probably are very much alike. You've got faith that 
You're a smart business person. You can make the business work. The money's a byproduct of creating good for other people. And so that's really quite fascinating to me. So you mentioned your partner. Is this mm-hmm. a partner in life and a partner in business? Or is it? It is indeed. That's an interesting thing. Tell me a little bit about what it's like to be a partner at work and a partner at home. Honestly, for us, that is truly about balance. And it is a balance that we've both really enjoyed and I find has been really fulfilling. I think the genesis of us both meeting and then working together was very early when we first met Hari right off the bat. He was working in venture capital, had been working in healthcare for a while, and he approached me and said, I think we should be dating. I was in another relationship, but he was like, you, we are meant to be like, we should be together. And I said, no, no, no. It's like a rom-com. It is a rom-com. This would be the scene in the movie. And I said, we should start a company because I I think that what you're picking up on is we are very complimentary in our styles and we would be great co-founders. And as with most things where we have a healthy debate going, we both, when we both end up being right, it tends to, to work out really well. And so we are very good counterparts, both in running and building bold and I think in supporting each other outside of work. Boy, you're lucky people. That's wonderful. Thank you. It's definitely been a journey. Lots of exciting things behind us and ahead of us, but yeah. Tell me what advice you'd give to other young founders that you probably get asked this all the time. And you've displayed a lot of grit. You've actually, not everything you've tried has been perfect. You've not succeeded at everything. Tell me, but really tell others, what are the keys to success and getting to the place where you are right now? I think on a personal level, getting comfortable, being uncomfortable is the name of the game. There is a new challenge, surprise, barrier, hurdle you will constantly be encountering and you will never have all the answers or perfect information. And so starting to find that own sense of confidence and ability to move forward in a world of uncertainty, I think is on a personal level, the most important. I think on a business aspect, it's around thinking big and thinking way bigger than you thought would sound practical or reasonable. And so I always like to start with our mission is around changing aging or helping people age. And that sounds so big and potentially so nebulous, but you can break that down. You can focus on addressing falls and balance. You can focus on pain and joint health. But we know that we're playing in an opportunity area that is so much bigger when you start thinking about risk-based arrangements and value-based care and engagement at home in a non-clinical setting that is fun and frequent. There's a lot that you can set yourself up to go after. And so I always encourage people to think even bigger about an idea that they might have because you don't want to miss the opportunity for that next adjacent product or offering or business model that there's so much room and potential to keep evolving. And so not letting yourself get in the way of that potential for growth. I think that's really great advice. I particularly like to think way bigger than you might imagine is practical because I just think that's the right level of aspiration that you should have. So two final things. I love what you said about getting comfortable being uncomfortable. So do you think mm-hmm. your dance training had anything to do with that? Dancing's pretty hard, right? And dancers are often uncomfortable. Do you think that being a successful dancer helped you get comfortable being uncomfortable? Yes, I think 
Any sort of physical training is a good lesson in getting comfortable pushing for better execution of a movement in dance or better times if you're somebody who races. And I know that you are a um, very accomplished athlete yourself. But yeah, I think it's equal parts getting comfortable being uncomfortable and discipline are two things I take from dance. Yeah, discipline really helps, doesn't it? In some ways, you got to be really flexible and you got to go with the flow when crazy things happen. But you also have to get up every morning and suspect that all through your dance career, you got up, you trained, you rested, you trained, and some days you felt like it and some days you didn't. You just still did it though, right? So the final question is, what would your Nana say to you right now? She's inspired you to do good for the world. What would she say? If we're being perfectly honest, she would ask me what's for dinner because it's one o'clock and she was on. For the sake of this conversation. What would she be thinking, Amanda? She may be asking you what what's for dinner, but what would she be thinking, do you think? She has said this at various points, but I think she would just be so in awe of what is possible, I think, to think that she went from being in an internment camp to having a granddaughter who is building a company in healthcare with venture capital backing is not something that was on her bingo card. I think that she would be very excited around the science and research as someone who I went with her to so many doctor's appointments and she was always saying, what can I do if you can help me find a way to restore my vision or not have this pain in my hand, tell me what I can do. And I think so much of that wanting to build tools that bring people more agency is a response to her saying, I care about this. I want to do something. What can I do? And Bold wants to be there for I'd probably go a little farther and she would be in awe of you, but I think she would also be really proud of you too. It's just good to speak with somebody who is trying to change the world in in a really positive way. The 24-hour news cycle is not as full of stories like yours and bold as it should be. I think they're probably more common than we believe them to be. Thanks for being a great role model for positivity and optimism and discipline and hard work. I think you're going to be really successful. And I look forward to having a real conversation about maybe what Intermountain might do with Bold, uh, because I think it may fit our model really well. So thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much, Mark. It's nice to connect with the kindred spirit and someone who's working to make healthcare more about health. Thank you. I'm Mark Harrison, CEO of Intermountain Healthcare. Thanks for joining us today as we work together to build a healthier future. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app, then rate and leave a review. Your feedback will help us bring you better episodes each week. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.